Family, it's great to be with you this morning. I hope you've got a great cup of coffee and I hope you've been enjoying these weeks as we've been trying to do the best we can with our streaming. And as Sean and Tim mentioned, we're just weeks away from being able to gather again. But I think it is an awesome thought to think that life groups and families are coming together now and being able to take in this worship and we just think that's great. One of the things that we're doing in these next few weeks is we're looking through different chapters from the book of Psalms. And in those Psalms, there are emotions that are connected. For example, last week, and it's a must hear, must see. You need to go back and, and take in Sean's message last week on anger. There's just so much there that uh, all of us need to pray about and work through, and it's just awesome. Uh, today, we're going to take Psalms chapter 3, and we're going to get into these two emotions, fear and anxiety, and how many times they they lap over one another, and they can cause so much tension and stress in life. And I think this is so relevant for what we've been going through, especially these last three months. But before we do that, let's pray for God's blessing. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning in Psalms chapter 3, and we look at fear, which many times leads to anxiety, Lord, I just pray that we can surrender to you because we know you provide a peace that goes beyond understanding. And it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray, amen. So I always have to share this as a caveat anytime I share a story about my nephews because people always think I'm talking about my cousins, but I'm the youngest of seven. So my oldest sister, Sonia, had four boys. And so we were very close in ages, believe it or not, even though they were my nephews. And every summer they would spend two weeks with us. And at, uh, at our place, and we would just go out and do just all kinds of crazy stuff. And when we were in high school, uh, we went over to this neighborhood called Glenwood, and you had to go through uh, around this lake. There's a gravel trail around the lake, and then you go through this dirt path, and you'd weave way through the woods. And when you got to Glenwood, they had uh, tennis courts, they had parks, and all kinds of fun stuff. And so uh, it was about this time of year, and we had gone out there, and it was a full moon. And on our way back, uh, we talked about the two things that all high school guys love to talk about, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked about girls and what would be the grossest way to die. Now, I don't know what we're obsessed with in high school about that, but we started talking about that. And uh, one of my nephews said, I think it'd be terrible to get uh, killed by a vampire. And I remember saying, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, first of all, I don't believe in vampires. And plus, when I'm scared, I don't know about you guys, but I know I'm faster than you, and there's no way a vampire could catch me. And they said, oh, no, a vampire is 10 times faster than any human. And in the moment that statement was made, we don't know what it was that came out of the woods. It was either a bear uh, or a wolf, or I think we determined later it was a rabbit. But anyway, I remember us running. Have you ever run so fast that, I mean, you were terrified and we were running so fast and so hard and screaming. And then we dove into the lake as if vampires can't swim. And then what finally came to our senses, like we are idiots, you know? And then we couldn't stop laughing about how terrified we were just because we'd worked ourselves up into that fear. Fear shows up in so many weird and strange ways in our life, but it is very real. But there is a difference between fear and anxiety. Fear is an emotional response to a known or definite threat. Anxiety is often a response 
to an imprecise or unknown threat. Fear in itself is not a bad thing. God wires us internally to know when there is potential danger. But when fear leads into anxiety, that's when really dangerous things can happen in our life. I saw this on YouTube that describes what happens to us physically when we have immediate fear and potential danger in our lives. Notice what happens. First of all, it causes an instinctive flight or fight response. And that's true. When you are really faced with something fearful, you either stand up like, I gotta fight this or I've gotta run from it. The response then is that stress hormones flood our bodies, our heart pounds, blood pressure rises, delivering oxygen and power important to our muscles. Sweat pours out to cooler muscles. Non-essential systems like digestions are shut down. Hormones force attention to the threat, to the exclusion of everything else. It's a lot like falling in love or watching IU play Purdue. But I want you to notice what the cause of that is. It's an immediate threat. Those physical responses come from an immediate, very real threat. Interestingly enough, anxiety causes the exact same physical response. When we allow anxiety to creep into our lives and into our thoughts, it can almost feel like it suffocates us. And the cause for that anxiety are thoughts. Don't let your thoughts become threats. Peace is, is within your reach. Peace truly is within your reach. It's kind of like this. Back in the days of CDs and DVDs when you'd get your movies, do you remember they used to have alternative endings to movies? And uh, a couple of times I would watch the alternative ending and I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't like this at all. But I'll tell you what's interesting is we do that all the time. That's what anxiety does. Is we take a situation and out of what we think is fear, we realize, well, that's really nothing to be afraid of. But then all of a sudden we get anxious and we start playing out our mind all the different scenarios of how this thing is gonna go wrong. We see it all the time. And I wanna ask you a question. What's it been like for all of you in these last few months? What kind of fear has led you down the path to anxiety? And you start playing out scenarios in your mind and it's difficult throughout the days when you're facing this kind of stress and anxiety. I love what Harriet Lerner said, who is the author of the book, The Dance of Anger. Only when we experience our emotions as both potential stumbling blocks and wise guides, not either or, can we begin to live more fully in the present and move into the future with courage and clarity and hope. So if you've got your Bibles this morning from Psalms chapter three, we're gonna talk about what David did and how he took an approach to navigate through fear and anxiety. And first of all, we're gonna look at verses one through five and see that David cried out for God's protection. If you've got your scriptures, follow with me. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him but you are my shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me, you lift my head. And to the Lord I cry out aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I 
lie down and I sleep, I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. Now, if you love to highlight scripture like I do, you would highlight that word, first of all, shield. That is a very important metaphor that David uses about the protection of God. Now, let's talk just a little bit about why that is so important, that we sense God protects us. Because when we don't have that sense, here's how it shows up. Look at verse five. He says, I lie down and sleep. How many of you in the last three months, starting all the way back to March 14th, how many of you has, have lost sleep, have had anxious thoughts, have had fearful thoughts, and you keep looking at the clock, looking at the clock, and you get up and you're exhausted. Why? Because life has totally changed, and we know that. We know that because there's not a day go by that we don't have a conversation that somebody will ask this question. What's the new normal gonna be when all of this is behind us? It doesn't matter what the new normal is. There's nothing to fear because God truly wants to overwhelm us with his protection. Now, when David prayed, he cried out to God. He didn't go to anybody else. He went straight to God and he simply cried out, Lord, I feel as though I'm surrounded. And he was surrounded. His son, Absalom, who was in total open rebellion, was coming after David with thousands of troops. So this is not anxiety. It is legitimately a fearful situation. But he says, Lord, be my shield. Now, when he talks about a shield, he's not talking about when you'd see a hand-to-hand combat and you'd see a smaller, usually a circular shield. That's not the shield he's talking about. What he's talking about is a full body shield. If you ever remember watching Braveheart and some of those movies where they'd have these huge battles, when you'd see the full body shield, usually it was soldiers standing side by side and they were moving slowly towards a dominant place like a castle. They knew that arrows would be coming. They knew that hot oil might be poured on them, but it was to be completely protected, to almost create a wall. So David is crying out to God about that kind of protection, complete protection. Now we know that when you think about David as a warrior, he knows a lot about shields. And if you go all the way back when David first turns up, the story that prompted David into prominence comes from 1 Samuel 17. We all know the story well. It was my favorite Old Testament story when I was a kid, and that's David and Goliath. And you know that David, the shepherd boy, went against Goliath. He had no armor, and here's Goliath fully engaged in battle with a shield and a javelin, and and he's insulting God. He's insulting the Israelites. And it says, David reached down, and he picked up five smooth stones. And I always wondered, even as a kid, why did David pick up five? Because he only needed one. Well, if you go later on in 2 Samuel, 21, you find out it says from the tribe of Gath, part of the Philistine army, that there was a family that had five giants. You see, I believe David picked up five stones because I think he was thinking in his mind, I really do. I'm going to drop this guy, Goliath, and you just start sending those giants out one at a time. And with God protecting me, I'll drop every one of them. But here's what I love. After Goliath was defeated, he cut his head off. Uh, What a show and tell the next day at school. And he took his head, he held that up, but he did something else that was interesting. It said he took the armor of Goliath and he put it in his tent. 
In other words, I think every morning he woke up and I think David looked up and he saw this huge shield and he thought to himself, God is in control. God has the power. God Almighty has the strength. And with God in control, there really is nothing that I should be paralyzed with as far as fear is concerned. I'm not gonna allow myself to have anxious thoughts about what could go wrong. I'm gonna turn my life over to him. You see, we need those things in our life. Uh, my wife will tell you, my wife Marie will tell you, it drives her nuts because I, I love to collect uh, ticket stubs and pictures and all kinds of things that remind me of experiences in life. And I especially love things that remind me of times that I've encountered God in profound ways. Uh, I had a good friend uh, when he went to the Holy Lands last time and he actually brought me a half a bottle of water from the Jordan River. Just as a reminder, God is in control. God does want to protect us. So I want to ask you this morning, what's your Goliath? What's your giant? And maybe it's not one giant. Maybe it feels like there's two or three or four. Maybe it feels like you have five giants coming after you. You are protected and you are loved by God Almighty. Do you believe that with all your heart? Because if you do, you don't allow true, legitimate fear to somehow wander into anxiety and start stressing about things that potentially are never going to happen. God wants us to know we are loved and we are protected. And then second of all, listen to what David did. He leaned into God's purpose to diffuse his problems. That's huge. David went from, God, I'm so stressed out about what I am going through right now to eventually, God, I'm really concerned about the people around me. Pick it up in verse six. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. And from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. I love that. I will not fear. And God, will you knock out my enemy? Now, we may look at that and say, that's pretty brutal. Knock out the teeth of my enemy. But he's praying now with total confidence. God, I know you have the ability to take my enemy out. And then I love the fact that ultimately he gets to, Lord, really, it's not about me. And it couldn't be about David. When David wrote Psalms 3, you got to remember, he had been beaten up and bruised because he had made some terrible, terrible moral decisions. So God isn't going to deliver David because David is such a great man. No, David had his flaws. He's gonna deliver David because David cried out for what? His people. Now I want you to fast forward. I think we need to cry out from our own struggles many times and cry out for the church because the church united is very much like an army. And with God's protection, the church can just do amazing things. There's a book that I think is so relevant for today, and it's simply called The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark. <clears throat> what Rodney Stark did is he went through the first three centuries of the early church, and he, he examined a lot of data on why he felt the church exploded in growth. With all the persecution, how could they possibly have grown? And one of the things interesting that happened in Rome in the first couple of centuries is there were two major plagues 
Does that sound familiar? And it was out of those plagues that outsiders, and what I mean outsiders is non-believers and pagans began to see how there was a different group out there, these Christians. They cared for one another. They, they survived at higher rates because they leaned into care uh, individually for those that were not just believers, but those who were non-believers. Matter of fact, one of the things that was uh, a characteristic of Christians is non-believers began bringing the sick to the Christians. They noticed that while everybody else was running scared from the plagues, the Christians were running towards the plagues and finding ways to help. And then ultimately, they couldn't believe how the Christians were not afraid of death. There was a hope in them. There was a light from their lives that penetrated the darkness. And what happened? When persecutions began to bear down even more and Christians scattered all over the world, the world took notice. There was something different about them. And there should be something different about us. In the midst of this crisis, we don't run away from the problems. We run to the problem. We run to the problem because we know what? God is with us. God is with you now. Whatever fear and whatever anxiety you have, God is with you. I'd like you to listen to these words of C.S. Lewis, who, remember, wrote this around 1947. And at the time, the world was so terrified of another atomic bomb being dropped that that's all people could talk about was the atomic bomb and then eventually even nuclear attack. Matter of fact, some of you that are my age and older remember we didn't have fire drills. We had atomic bomb or nuclear bomb reaction drills where we would hide under our desk. Um, And I remember even as a kid thinking, I don't think hiding under a desk is gonna help us against a nuclear bomb but it did beat English, you know? So that's kind of the way we took it in as a kid. But I want you to think about C.S. Lewis and what he said about the atomic bomb. And when I mention the word bomb, just place the word COVID-19. Here we go. This is the first point to be made. It's the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're gonna be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, Find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting with our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Let us not be huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, Atomic bombs can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. May the God of peace provide true peace for you. Whatever it is right now you're fearful of, whatever has moved from fear to anxiety, turn it over to God the way that David did. Cry out to him. Because many times what happens is anxiety comes out of the fear, and fear turns into anxiety because Satan is a liar. We begin thinking and dwelling on things that are actually a lie. There's a song by Zach Williams that I love, and it's simply entitled, Fear is a Liar. In just a moment, as we break bread together and as we 
take the juice and the bread and we have communion, I want you to think about these words. Fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath. He will stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire. Because fear is a liar. So as we break bread and drink juice, as we take communion with one another today, I want you to remember that, that whatever fear you have, whatever anxiety you have, you just lay that at the foot of the cross and you remember Jesus is in control.